0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today, in Jesus' name. We see that Satan tempts Eve, and in verse 6 it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember, the knowledge of good and evil is... By definition, the law defines what is right and what is wrong, and that's why it's important that the law, that laws that we make and laws that we live by align themselves with natural law or the law that God created the universe by. Coming up with ideas and things that make us feel better or make us feel better about the world we live in or feel better about our own sin or our own struggles, making laws like that have no real value because they don't align themselves with the way the universe actually operates, and when they don't, that causes many problems. But the truth is that the law should define what is good and evil, what is right and what is wrong, what is God and what is not God. And what is God is holy and just and right. And ultimately will be for the best and what is not God, well, Is the opposite of that, is what's not going to be the best, what's not going to be good, what's not going to be holy, what's not going to be right, what's not going to be pleasing, what's not ultimately going to work. It's not going to work because the way God set up the universe is unchangeable. The laws of the universe and the way it's made is unchangeable. And to know or to be intimate with sin is not good. It's not God and it's not good. And so he she said the bible says that she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. Now, the bible teaches us surely you know this and I know it also that sin is pleasurable but for a moment, which means that does sin have its pleasures? Does sin is sin desirable because of our sin nature? absolutely it is it's enticing it draws us in our own our own sinful desires carry us away and we engage in it all the time it's not the dealing with sin in our lives is not something that's uncommon to us it's not something when we talk about it that people are going well I'm not sure about that or I don't know how that works that's not that's just not true the truth is that we we're intimately knowledgeable about how sin entices us and draws us and how it controls us in many ways. And then when you come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him, you begin to see how how really insidious it is and how terrible it is to be in slavery to it and how good it is to be released and let go from it. And and the woman saw that the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes and it was desirable to make one wise, meaning it was desirable to make one know Evil. She knew good because she knew God, but she did not know evil until that moment. And so she took of its fruit and she ate. And they also gave to her husband. And then she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Notice, Adam is right there. Uh, Adam is in charge of the garden. They are one flesh. They are one together. And it's not as if Eve got tricked, and then she tricked Adam into taking of the fruit. Adam knew exactly what was going on, and Adam allowed the serpent to talk to his wife, and Adam allowed her to be carried away by the enticement of evil, and he joined her in it. And that's not even, this whole passage right here, that's not even really an argument. Adam was right there. She also gave to her husband with her, notice, gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So they both saw it as desirable. They both went after sin headlong. They both chased after what God had told them not to do. They both chose their will over God's will. They both chose to submit to their own desires over God's desires. And then it says, and then the eyes of both of them were open. What were their eyes open to? Their eyes were not open to God. Their eyes were not open to a relationship with God. That their eyes were open to what was not God. Their eyes were open to the things that that uh, are in direct opposite to opposition to God. Then their eyes were both of them were open, and they knew that they were they knew that they were naked now remember from now on a nakedness is going to be being laid bare or the revelation of sinfulness it's always going to be symbolic of that nudity from the rest of the rest from this moment on throughout scripture you just, whenever i just see the word naked in scripture i think of being sin being laid bare or being shown for what it is and that's what this is they they both had their eyes open to sin And then they realized that they were full of it, that they were the embodiment of sin at that point in time. And it's a horrible thing to realize that you're the embodiment of sin. We so many times want to talk about the little children, how they're so innocent and sinless and and all that. No, they're not. They're full of sin. They just hadn't realized they hadn't had the eyes open to how to indulge it as much as we have. We're born sinners. We're born sinful. We're born cut off from God, and we're born desiring and to indulge in, desirous and indulge. To indulge in sin. That's what we're born. And you're right to want children to remain innocent as long as possible. Why? Because the longer they're innocent, the less likely they are to indulge in sin at a young age. But the truth is that our hearts wander away from God from the very womb and we are we're sinful because it it was passed down for our father i was reading some some christian magazine back about a week or two ago and it was trying to make the argument that original sin or sin humanity wasn't born sinful wasn't born in original sin now it was trying to make a bunch of psychological mambo jahambo that's what i would call it bull to to show that we're actually good at the start but we're not good at the start we we are past sin is passed on from our father adam and in fact, it says that Seth was born in the image of Adam, meaning when when after the fall of man and after after man was made in his in God's image and then fell, man was in the image of God, made in the image of God. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. But Seth, the line that April, that the line that Noah came from, the Bible says that they he was born not in the image of God, but he was born in the image of his father Adam. And his father Adam's image was marred, it was destroyed. It was cut off. It was it was dead, really spiritually dead, meaning meaning that the spirit that was breathed into Adam in the garden in Genesis chapter one died in the garden. And and he was separated from God because he no longer had that connection to God. He never had, you know, he no longer had that that connection with God. And God is the one who has to step in and fix the problem. God's the one who has to provide the way from the problem. God is the answer to that problem. And so what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves coverings. Now, we always, when we try to cover our sin, we always try to cover our sin in the wrong way. And uh, I'm going to tell you that this was the wrong way to cover your sin. Who wants to cover? Who wants to have have, a, have clothes made of fig leaves? That's it. Have y'all ever seen a fig? I remember my my first babysitter when I was a child. She had a huge fig leaf fig tree in her backyard and it had figs in the springtime and i can remember those big figs growing off that spring that tree and those leaves were giant they were huge leaves so you didn't have to sow as many leaves together i guess that's one of the positives about a fig fig leaf but the negative about a fig leaf is it was fuzzy and itchy who wants to wear fuzzy itchy clothes I don't wanna wear fuzzy itchy clothes. I like fuzzy soft clothes, but not itchy clothes. And we always want to, and you're gonna see this pattern We want to always, we want to always make things right with God by a fellowship offering. Just think just in general terms this way, things that come from the ground, things that are born of the ground, remember, they're going to be under the curse of sin. They are those type of offerings, grain offerings, offerings made from the fruit of the ground. They're fellowship offerings. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with the fellowship offering. In fact, God wants to have fellowship with us. In fact, they're, they're good. They're great. Having fellowship with God is exactly the whole purpose of the plan of God is so that we might be in back in perfect fellowship with Him, having a new human spirit, and walking with Him in completeness and wholeness back in His image. That's perfect. But the problem is there has to be another offering made before we can have fellowship with Him. And that offering that must be so that we can have fellowship with Him is an offer of sacrifice. It has to be an offer of life. It has to be a blood sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, meaning there is no removing the curse or the stain of sin without the shedding of blood. And understanding that and walking in that And and being able to see that in its fullness and its completeness is very important. It is of the utmost importance. And we're going to see Cain and Abel and Cain's offering not being as good as Abel's because Cain's offering was an offering of fellowship. And God, the problem with that is God cannot have fellowship with us before sin is dealt with. And sin must be dealt with first. And so Abel's sacrifice was the sacrifice that God required and desired Because in order to have fellowship with God, there must be the shedding of blood or the giving of life. There has to be life for life. And when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they they forfeited their life. And a life had to be given for that life. And we're going to see that in just a minute. It said, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Notice, the Lord God's coming to fellowship with them. The Lord God's coming to be with them. The Lord God knows that they've eaten of the fruit of that tree. The Lord God is coming to check on them. I want you to notice that God is actively at work here. He's not allowing Adam and Eve to come and try to seek him out and find out an answer. He's coming to them with the answer. He is the answer to the problem. He's the solving of the issue at hand. And so when when you see Adam here and Eve here hiding, they're hiding from God because sin causes us to be be in this state of shame. And I think that is a, we sung, ain't no grave gonna hold me down. I think the most powerful and most important part of that song is it's dealing with shame and dealing with the result of sin. But the result of sin is not going to hold us down because there was a sacrifice or an offering made for our sin. And that offering made was the son of God, Jesus Christ, who paid for the sin. And so God made the way. We didn't make a way. So many times we want to make a way for ourselves. So many times we want to be us to be the initiator, us to be the one who made, made the heroic step, but there was no heroism in us. You need to hear that. There's nothing good in us once we were handed down sin from our fathers. And the only thing good that could come was God himself, and he came in the form of his son, King Jesus. And so he says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God, Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Jehovah Elohim among the trees of the garden. Notice they hide from God because the state of sin causes shame. The state of sin paralyzes us with shame. And you need to know that. As a believer, when you're dealing with people out there in the world who are struggling with sin, and you need to hear this today, they are struggling with sin. They're struggling with, with who they are and where they are in the world and their place in the world. And the reason they're struggling with that is because sin has made them destitute, and sin has made them slaves to the enemy, and sin has made them wholly powerless to do anything for themselves and for them to have any joy or peace or purpose. And understanding that allows you to have compassion and love for those people around you because they're still enslaved to sin they're still enslaved to shame they're still struggling with who they are and what's going on around them and when we read about adam and eve hiding and hiding in the garden from the lord god the reason they were hiding from him is because they were full of shame and understanding that the people that you deal with on a daily basis who are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, who are not walking in the fullness of the kingdom, even if they're born again, may be dealing and struggling with shame. And it's a cruel, it's a cruel taskmaster. It's a, it's, a t- it's a cruel prison guard, and it holds people, and it keeps them from seeing the light. It keeps them from having joy. It keeps them from seeking out the purposes for which God made them, and they struggle, struggle, struggle with it. And so what I would say to you this morning is when we read this, we can identify with Adam and Eve in that garden, and we can identify with the people that we see on a daily basis, and what we have to offer is an answer to this major issue, this issue that developed in the garden, this issue which is the issue of all time. It's the issue of... It's the issue of humanity. It's the state we live in. And we have an answer for that. And that answer is Jesus Christ. And that answer is the hope that's in him. And that answer gives us power and purpose and direction. And that answer eases the struggle of shame and sin. And it gives people an opportunity. And boy, I sometimes see it in in people who are still trying to struggle to do and be and walk in whatever they want to walk in. I see that all the time. But I also understand... Boy, when it gets right down to the end, they are just they're just eat up with the struggle. They're just eat up with the pain. And and what? Of all creation, we're the ones that have can have compassion for that. We're the ones who know what that's like. We've walked in that too. We know that trail. We know where that is. And what's the neat thing about it is this Jehovah Elohim, this Lord God. Who walks with him in the cool of the evening? His name is going to be Jesus. His 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 earthly father is going to name him what his heavenly father told him to name him. He's going to call him Jesus or Yahshua. And he's going to walk among us too. He's going to be familiar with our suffering. He's going to, he's going to walk with us, with humanity for 33 years. And he's going to, he's going to know us completely in, in our suffering. Not as God in the garden, but as man among humanity. And uh, he's going to do that. That's what he's going to do down the road. This Jehovah Elohim is going to become Emmanuel, God with us. He's going to become the one who walks with us, the God of heaven and earth, both heaven and earth. And uh, he's going to find them in the cool of the he's going to find them in the cool of the day. He's also going to find us in the heat and the pain of this world. And he's going to provide an answer in a way. He's going to be the door of the gate. He's going to open a way for us. And he said, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? We're going to end with this verse today. But it's a great question, and I love the question. It's an outstanding question. We're gonna we're gonna deal with it in detail tomorrow. But uh, the question is, where are you? Where do you find yourself? Where do you where do you find yourself today? And uh, I hope it is walking in the power of the kingdom that lives in you, the kingdom of God that's uh, inside of you. But if it's not, then I want you to know that there is an answer. But there's only one answer. There's not multiple answers to this. Issue that you have. If you don't know who it is, his name is Jesus. He is the answer to the issue that you face. He's the answer to the struggle that you have. He's the answer. He's the answer to all your problems. He's not necessarily going to fix them the way you want them fixed, but he's going to fix them in a way that glorifies himself in a way that works out the very best for your life. And this morning we see Adam and Eve having eat of the fruit, having sowed fellowship offering for clothes rather than the blood sacrifice for their sin. Hiding from God in the trees. Trees always represent men. Whenever you see fish or trees, it always represents the whole of humanity. They're hiding in humanity away from God. And God comes to find them. They don't go to find him. God comes to find them. And he asks the question, where are you? And the answer is lost in sin. We're going to find out what Adam and Eve have to say about that. But the answer is they're lost in sin. And God has come to find them. God has come to find you. Take hold of his hand because he's going to lead you out of sin and darkness. He's going to lead you back to life. He's already made the perfect sacrifice for it. The blood price has been paid. All you need to do is begin to walk in the life that he's going to provide for you.